Yo, 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 what's up, my dudes? Welcome to Starter Quest, a podcast where we look at some fresh cut video games through the eyes of a newbie. This is episode four, we're going to be playing one of the raddest games in the 90s, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I am your totally eckied out host, Alessandro Cola. Word. Alongside my kicking partner and the star of this podcast, Jen Hughes. <laughs> Sup, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Enjoying all these 90s-isms that I put into this? Oh yeah, totally enjoying them. Nah! Hey! Are you excited to get talking about Sonic today? Yeah, I think so, yeah. As you can tell, I'm already in my 90s mindset, to the point where even Jen won a 90s quiz yesterday, which was quite fun. Yeah, we were playing this board game at our friend's house. One of those quizzy ones you get where you move around the board and you get a colour for each category. And all the colours look the same. Yeah, essentially. It was just Trivial Pursuit for absolute cretins. Yeah, it didn't even have the cheese. <laughs> have you been playing anything fun recently? Yeah, um, I've been doing some more post-game stuff for Pokemon Leaf Green, our previous episode. You can check that out if you haven't already. I'm very happy to see you still playing one of the games we've covered in a previous episode. We didn't have that with Mario and Secret of Monkey Island. To be fair, there wasn't really post-game content in Super Mario Bros. 3 true, true. or Secret of Monkey Island. Like Once they were done, they were done. Unless you're part of the speedrunning community, in which case these games never end. No, never. We'll get more involved in speedrunning when he gets around to doing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> I've been playing uh, your copy of Pokemon Arceus mm-hmm. and I'll be playing more of it now you've completed it. Yes, just finished it this morning. I didn't want to talk about it in the last episode because I didn't want to really talk about the most recent Pokemon game or still covering the old Pokemon game. It's so refreshing to see them do something new with the formula. It was more what I was expecting from Pokemon before Mm -hmm. I started playing it. It feels more like an RPG because it's set in a more fantastical world rather than a more like modern-ish world. Oh yeah, it's definitely got the story that the last Pokemon game didn't have. Yeah, Pokemon Arceus feels like it's more story-driven and the immersions in the storytelling in the world rather than through the Pokemon. Mm Mm-hmm. What have you been playing? Oh, other than Pokemon Legends, I have finally got round to starting Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, is that the one with the ginger girl? Yes. I'm excited to finally get trying this game. I'm only a few hours into it, but I'm having a good time so far. Her hair does go all over the place. It's like it's in water. I imagine that's just a physics engine being a bit weird. Yeah, that'll probably get patched out. And even Mm. then, it does look quite good. Are you excited to get talking about Sonic today? Yeah, I think so. I think we've been quite lucky that the first few episodes we're doing, with the exception of Secret Monkey Island, they're games that's completely understandable that people just know through pop culture. Mm -hmm. And you really can't get away from Sonic and pop culture, especially after that movie that came out in 2020. Oh yeah, the one where in the first trailer, Sonic looked fucking cursed. Yeah, and they eventually changed it to make him look not as cursed. Not quite as cursed, but still a bit. (laughs) Sleep paralysis demon-ish. So then I have to turn to you and ask, what do you know about Sonic? Well, I know of its reputation. I've seen countless of videos goofing on Sonic 06, Sonic Boom, and that other one with it, where your OC do not steal. So much that it's kind of cliche to goof on Sonic. A little bit, yeah. He's got a reputation of being the joke of video games. Yeah. Um, I know all fan bases have their share of nut jobs, but apparently the Sonic the Hedgehog is a Super Bowl snack bowl of nuts, as far as I've heard. I can vouch for this. Back in the 90s, I was a humongous fan of the Sonic franchise. 
honestly, if it didn't come for the fact that I got the internet after my obsession with Sonic ended, I would have probably been one of those freaky kids you see online today. Yeah. Play Sonic Dream Collection if you want a rough idea of how these guys are seen. And it's a bit of a shame because the fan base as a whole, they're a bunch of teenagers trying to, like, you know, find their place in the world. And they do it through Sonic. It's kind of a very weird existence that is Sonic. Here is the cool character for video game nerds. You're just asking for trouble. I mean, wasn't everything in the 90s cool, though? True, but he is supposed to be the coolest video game character of the 90s. The coolest of the cool decade. Not cool in the terms of, God, he is badass, like you have with Solid Snake. Not as metal as Doom Guy. But I think the character who is designed to be too cool for school, yeah, it was Sonic. Yeah. He was designed to have that level of coolness in the character. It was part of the whole branding they were going for. Yeah. And I think that's why Sonic gets the weird rep it does, because it is this character who's supposed to be the example of coolness. I remember the 90s being full of cool TM, sunglasses, skateboard, rapty rap, yo sup, and... That became very, very passe pretty quickly. He's just reminds me of like Poochie. The name's Poochie D and I rock the telly. I'm half joking. <laughs> From that episode of The Simpsons. No, no, it definitely holds up. Poochie is definitely designed to be one of the many Sonic clones we got out of the Sonic fandom. Yeah. Oh my god, fucking Bobsy. Oh, we are not doing fucking Bubsy for this podcast. I'll fucking put my foot down on that one. Cue like 500 requests to do Bubsy and we'll have no choice but to fucking cover Bubsy. Request it all you want. Uh, until we get to the point where we want to cover bad games, it's not getting on this podcast. What could possibly go wrong? So you are aware, though, that Sonic does have this legion of imitators that follows him then? Yes. I mean, nothing can quite beat the S-Dog himself, but... (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be Snoop Dogg? The the other (laughs) (laughs) S-Dog. Apart from that, I know that Sonic is a blue hedgehog with attitude. He runs through a whole bunch of fields collecting rings, and he has to defeat Dr. Eggman or Robotnik, depending on what drag he's wearing today. In the second game, is it Sonic 2 that we get tails? Yes. He's like the little flying squirrel thing. He's got like two tails that he uses as a helicopter. But yeah, there are also so many fucking characters in Sonic. They just accumulate over the games. Every Sonic game introduces at least one new character. And there being so many Sonic games is why we now have such a massive collection of furries. There are... So many characters, even within the IP, and that's excluding all the OCs. What do you know about Sonic OCs? So Sonic OCs, or original characters, are characters within Sonic that fans create. There's a lot of fandoms that have, like, OCs, but Sonic's fandom are most notorious for it. Like, you look up your name and the hedgehog, you'll find something. Oh, absolutely. It's long since been a standard that you could do that with any name do you understand why sonic generates so many ocs though is it its design part of its design i think it's i feel like the character of sonic 
It just became an incredible magnet for parasocial relationships. Right, in what way? He will always be the friends of anyone who is good. There is no one in the Sonic universe who is a good guy that he hates, as far as I remember. I'm not going to anyway speak for all the animes, cartoons, and all the spin-off shite that's came out of the franchise now. But he's just always had this character who's just friends with everyone who is good. And therefore, if you're a good person, you can be Sonic's friend. Yeah, and you'll have a whole bunch of people who kind of feel like, you know, they don't really have a friend or they don't have someone they connect with. And so they feel they connect with Sonic. Yeah, and they want to be Sonic's friend. Yeah. I mean, he does seem like a kind of cool dude. Fuck it. I want to be Sonic's friend. Yeah, a bunch of these gaming nerds want to have a cool friend and it's all going to be Sonic. Yeah. Speaking as a gaming nerd who was a big fan of Sonic. Anyway. (laughs) When I was eight, I had a friend who was a huge Sonic fan. Mm-hmm. She was about 12 at the time, I'm pretty sure. And I saw her play one of the 3D games in the PS2. Do you remember which one? Nah, sorry. There were a whole bunch of rings and stuff. That's it. That's all I remember. In any case, I never really had much of a desire to have a shot because it looked too difficult for me. Do you know what type of game the Sonic franchise usually falls under? Um, It's a platformer. Right. We didn't do this in our Super Mario episode, but how would you explain a platformer? In a platformer, you've got to get your protagonist from the start of a level to the end of it, getting by each obstacle and enemy that's there. So a platformer is named after the platforms you've got to jump on Mm -hmm. and across to get to the end of the level. Mm -hmm. We've talked about in RPGs that a level is within your character. In a platformer, the level is the setting. Mm -hmm. You go from one level to another. Nintendo has always explained the Mario franchise as being athletic games. Because it's all about a character who's going to run, jump, slide, get around levels, bounce around. I feel that platformers are one of the truest example of athletics in games. It's why the whole Sonic brand was built around the concept of speed. Because having all these speed abilities and getting through a level using all these tricks is part of the fun of a platformer. Yeah, the fact that it went so fast was probably what put me off getting a shot of the remote from her. I couldn't really do platformers at the best of times. Mm-hmm. I could play Mario Kart, but that was about it. <laughs> Through my friend, I found out who the Sonic characters were. Mm-hmm. They were all very cute. I liked Charmy the Bee best because he was a bee and he was yellow. Let me ask you then, how many Sonic characters can you name off the top of your head? So there's Sonic the Hedgehog, there's mm-hmm. Tails the Fox. Not really, no. He's got an actual full name. Only one of them actually has a first name, surname, and Tails is his nickname. Uh, Tails Farthington the Third. Slightly more ridiculous than that. <laughs> uh, Knuckles the Echidna. Mm-hmm. What is an Echidna? A weird hedgehog looking thing from Australia. Oh, nice. Oh, I got that. I get it. Yes. <laughs> the only thing I know about Kindness is that they have a four-headed penis. I love how that's the only thing you know about that animal. Yep. <laughs> uh, Amy Rose, also a hedgehog. Yes. Vector the crocodile. Mm-hmm. Shadow the hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Silver the hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Rouge the bat. Mm-hmm. Charmy the bee. Mm-hmm. That bird thing. What bird thing? You know, like the one with the bunny person and it should like the bird. That's not a bird. That's a robot. It looks like a bird. Do you know what the rabbit's called? No, I've forgotten. Cream the rabbit. Yeah. Such a dirty name of it. Who names their Wayne Cream? Who names their Wayne Sonic? <laughs> Who names their 
<laughs> Who names their Wayne Tails? <laughs> Again, not his name. That's his nickname. Oh, that's his nickname. Yes. Damn, Tails has got like a proper naming convention. Yes, again, Amy Rose and Tails are the only people who have surnames in this whole fucking universe. Other than the baddie who you've not named. Dr. Eggman. Do you know his other name? Robotnik. Do you know why he's got two names? It's to do with like a localization and translation, I think, isn't it? Yes, he was Eggman in Japan. They called him Dr. Robotnik in the West. It's since been amalgamated that they call him Eggman as a nickname. His real name is Dr. Robotnik. So he actually seems like you know a lot about the Sonic universe. You know all the characters, you know all the baddies. What is plot to Sonic? Well, he has to defeat Dr. Eggman slash Robotnik. Why? Because Dr. Eggman is bad and there's robots and he just wants to take over the world. Do you know anything about what makes Sonic stronger or what makes Sonic... Oh, the Chaos Emeralds. Ah, you know the Chaos Emeralds. Oh, it's all about Chaos Emeralds. They are quite a common factor, especially with the modern games. How do you think you're going to handle the controls to Sonic? Um, I'm expecting Sonic to be a super quick platformer based on momentum. I struggled with the controls for Super Mario Bros. 3 because it's so zippy, you don't really have a time to make choices sometimes properly. And Sonic looks much faster. I go through each world beat enemies, collect rings, fight Dr. Eggman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm expecting to find it pretty tricky. If it's anything like Mario, I'm not expecting like a really complex story or anything. Mm, no. Like Mario, we're more likely going to find more story in the instruction manual than the actual game. It's going to be a bit like Super Mario Bros. 3 in that regard. But we have been able to find pieces of narrative and storytelling told within the games. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I think there's going to be plenty of that. By God, I'm going to squeeze out whatever literary analysis out of this as I can. (laughs) Do you know what role Tails plays in this game? Does he help you fly places? Not really in this game, no. So what does he do? Like, Mm. he flies. Flying's his thing. We'll see when we play it. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay, that's fine. We're playing this game on an emulator, first off, because I fucking refuse to get my hands on a Nintendo Switch expansion pack but mostly so we could play with the official USB Mega Drive controller that I've bought for playing this game. Ooh. It looks a bit like a boomerang. Yeah, it's got a very jelly bean look to it. It's very jelly bean. It's got like your left and right triggers up here. Mm-hmm. You've got like your direction buttons, a big red start button, a mode button mm-hmm. underneath the start, whatever that means, an XYZ, a little bit like the GameCube. And an A, B, C. Don't worry. Sega Mega Drive had an original controller that was just an A, B, C. This is the later version that also includes X, Y, Z. Just in case we start getting in any more advanced games. Ah, right, yeah. This is just going to be A, B, C use. I, I don't want to give it away, but I think you'll find this game easier to control than Super Mario. Right, okay. Well, I hope you're right. I'll take your word for it. That being said, it's not like I'm short of official ways to play this game i've sonic 1 especially but sonic 2 has this as well that both those games have been released in so many collection packs i remember once finding out that sonic 1 had been released 31 times what and that was 10 years ago it's been more since 31 times yes 
Who needs Sonic 31 different times? I, I honestly, I probably have about four games in my Steam library right now that allow us to play Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on it. But for the sake of ease, we're just going to be using an emulator. Yeah, so don't worry, we have a legal copy of the game. We're not like proper pirates or anything. We're doing things by the book, we promise. Yeah, we're keeping the pirates over at Monkey Island. We're not bringing them back out here. Do you know much about the developer of Sonic? It's Sega that develop it. Is it Team Sonic? Yeah, Sonic Team. Sonic Team, yeah. I mean, I don't know very much about Sega other than the other people that do Sonic the Hedgehog and Shenmue. And Mm -hmm. they do what Nintendo don't. Yes, they do. I think with the Americans, they love the Mega Drive versus Super Nintendo War. Yeah. Because that was the first console war in America. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it because Nintendo didn't really have a competition? No, but not when it first came out. Neither did Atari back in its day. Oh, that's true. With the Mega Drive is when Sega really wanted to make itself the other brand of gaming. The Pepsi to Nintendo's Coke, if you will. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, this was the very first console war, at least in America, not here. What, do we have the Master System? The Master System outsold the NES, but that's not what I'm referring to. Right, okay. Here, our very first big video game war was between the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64, as we were always a very big PC gaming market. Oh yeah, yeah, in the UK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When it came into the SNES and the Mega Drive, it was a no contest to Sega. In America, it's kind of 50-50. It's very SNES originally, and then slowly it goes 50-50 to Mega Drive. Slightly more to Mega Drive, I think, by the end. In Europe, it's just a complete stomp. The Super Nintendo didn't sell anywhere near as well as the Mega Drive did. And then when the PlayStation came out, it then became the dominant platform. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, it was between the PlayStation 2 and Nintendo GameCube, uh, or the Xbox, of course. We had a three-way war. Yeah. Do you know much about who created Sonic? Like, the name of the person that created Sonic? No, not Scooby. His name was quite prominent last year for making one of the worst games of 2021, if you remember. I don't know. Oh, you don't know? (sighs) No. That's fine. I'll enlighten you in our second half. I think I'll establish the rules of gameplay for now. Rule one. As if we're playing with an emulator, save stating is only allowed at the beginning of a zone. The Sonic games are broken up into zones, and each zone has, in this game, two acts. Oh, is it like the worlds in uh, Super Mario Bros. 3? Yes. Gotcha. Rule 2. This game must be played in Sonic and Tails mode. Right. What, what does that mean? Um, Apart from you need to play Sonic and Tails. In the game, you can either play Sonic, play as Tails, or play a mode called Sonic and Tails. Sonic is controlled by player one, and if you like, Tails can be controlled by player two, otherwise he's just controlled by an AI. Mm-hmm. If we play in Sonic and Tails mode, it means that if you get to a bit where you're stuck, I can pick up a second controller and show you what to do as Tails. Okay, right, that's fine. Rule three, Jen has to make it to the Sky Chase zone. That's quite near the end of the game, and if we get to that point, we can really talk about what happens in the rest. But if you can't clear the last three zones, I can show you through me playing it just so we can talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. So you have your Mega Drive controller. Uh-huh. You have your knowledge of the Sonic franchise. Yep. Are you ready to start playing Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Hell yeah. All right, let's get it started in here.
Welcome back to our hood, yo. Return of the twats. <laughs> How did you find your time with Sonic the Hedgehog 2? I have very, very mixed feelings. Uh, mostly not great ones. Ooh, how come? What, what's Sonic done to you? Guys, I'm so sorry. I did not enjoy this game. Really? Yeah. At first I found the levels quite satisfying because you've got your directional buttons and one other button, which does you jump, you press it once, you hold it with down to dash, mm-hmm. and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. First zone, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Weren't too many obstacles. You couldn't really make a wrong turn because there were so many different ways to go through those levels. Mm-hmm. I was having a great time, like, you know, pinging Sonic back and forth, whatever. Then it gets to Chemical Plant Zone and it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, it just gets more difficult from there. It gets more and more difficult from there, which is kind of it's what video games are supposed to do. I'm not going to complain that a game gets harder as it goes on. Yeah, it's a rough one. We were bound to get one of these games eventually. It's a classic that is just very difficult for its time and doesn't hold up to today. One of the things I forgot to bring up in the first half is why we're doing Sonic 2 as opposed to Sonic 1 or Sonic 3. Or to give it its full title, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, don't ask. Sonic 1's a bit rudimentary, so I wanted to put that to the side and play the franchise when it's at its best. That was between Sonic 2 and Sonic 3. Sonic 3 is longer, has more cutscenes, and has a really incredible story about his music involving Michael Jackson. However, I want to go for Sonic 2 because the game is simpler and kind of has this purer element to it. So what do you mean by purer? Sonic 3 is just Sonic 2 with more bells and whistles. Ah. Which, in its defence, Sonic 2 is just Sonic 1 with more bells and whistles. I feel Sonic 2 has the right balance of changes from the first game to make it incredibly compelling. I feel like as a new gamer, you would have an easier time starting with Sonic 2 than Sonic 1 and then taking that enjoyment of Sonic 2 and then playing Sonic 3. I feel like if you started at Sonic 3, some of the basics may have been a little lost on you because the game's not trying to teach you the basics anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though I chose that game to be a bit easier to play, you still had a rough time with it. Yeah. I think that there are ways where it can be accessible. You said that playing as... Tales as two-player, you could do a co-op mode, mm-hmm. which you called little brother mode. Yeah, essentially, because the second player can't die and will get pulled off screen if player one moves too fast. Yeah, great idea for most games. And I'd say that because you and a lot of other people learned how to play that way, I think that's fair. I think that's quite a good way to go. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. The small flaw in that is that if you've got your player one who is an inconsiderate asshole, your big brother is just does not care about, you know, whether or not you're enjoying the level and just wants to fly through it. You're not going to get a chance to familiarise yourself with the levels. Yeah, but that's also what punches were for. <laughs> True. But then when would come to the point do you know, the punches escalate and the genesis is broken? I literally do have friends who smash TVs off each other when they're fighting. No way! Never, never, ever piss off a brother when gaming. Don't fuck with us. (laughs) (laughs) With Mario, you had a difficult time too, but you didn't come away from Mario saying you didn't enjoy it. I think with Mario, I was a lot more motivated to finish it. Mm -hmm. I was frustrated, but I just felt the need to keep going with it. Mm -hmm. 
with this one, I just felt I would have put it down. I started becoming incredibly frustrated at the hilltop zone. Mm -hmm. And I probably would have given up there. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's one of the harder zones in the game for sure. Yeah. Throughout the whole rest of my time playing the game, I felt, am I missing something? Like, am I doing something wrong for, like, I was having such a hard time with the game, I couldn't understand why anyone would want to actually play this. I was going through feeling like a bit of an idiot for not getting through the game and really struggling with it. Yeah, because admittedly I'm going to sit here and go, why didn't you enjoy Sonic more? I think there's a whole bunch of people, you know, who are Sonic fans really hoping to hear me sing its praises. And I will be saying some good things about Sonic. I'm not going to spend the whole time, you know, giving out some bad faith criticism. That's not what I do. No, we're not here to talk a good game down. Yeah. But at the same time, if a game isn't working for you, it is important that we do break that apart and try and understand what it is about Sonic that doesn't hold up. Yeah. I think it's fair to point out, you are expected to make a bit of an unfair playthrough of this game. As kids, we were not expected to beat this game on our first try. Mm -hmm. By the nature of our podcast, yeah, you're dying a few times, but you are expected to get through the game first time playing it. As a kid, it took me six months to beat Sonic 2. I'd be playing it every day and getting through the game in small increments because there was no save function. As someone who's expected to play this game for the first time, the pressure on you to complete the game first time round is unfair by the nature of this podcast. At the same time, I also don't think it's unachievable. I did manage to achieve it. Mm -hmm. Eventually. It did take me a Jack Daniels or two, though. <laughs> but let's, for now, peel back and we'll just talk about the game a bit more broadly and go into a little bit of backstory. It's 1991 and Sega is still trying to establish its Sega Mega Drive or Sega Genesis in America as the great alternative to Nintendo's dominance. A console that was a little bit weaker than Nintendo's Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which had been released by this point, but made up for it in its intense marketing strategy and its blast processing. Blast processing? That yes. sounds a bit dirty. Do you know what blast processing is? Uh, you get a super soaker and shoot water at a Nintendo SNES. <laughs> what? How's that blast? Because it's a blast of water. Most people think dynamite, at least. Oh, yeah, that's true. That would be better. <laughs> I love how the first thing I went to is Super Soaker. Maybe it's just because I'm a pacifist. Yeah, yeah. Blast processing was just their marketing way of explaining that it has a faster processor. Oh, yeah, because it blasts through the loading times. Exactly. So a game like Sonic can load faster than Mario. And just like how Sonic can run faster than Mario. Because of the blast processing. Ah, they literally only decided to make the hedgehog fast because look at how fast our console is. Oh yeah, 100%. They, <laughs> knew, they knew what that console could do and knew how to play to its strengths. Racing games and speedy platformers like Sonic are using that console's biggest strength the most. I mean, the fact that like me, a complete casual, knows this phrase, Sega does what Nintendo don't. It's not really false advertising because their console does load a bit faster and they're going to milk the shit out of that. <laughs> yes, but to be fair, Sega does what Nintendo with a faster processor, but Nintendo does what Sega couldn't with better sound chip, more colour depth, better graphics. Nintendo was by far the better of the two consoles. 
Sega just knew how to sell itself. Yeah, because Sega had to try. Nintendo didn't. Knowing what the strengths were then, it was a company-wide contest that led to Sega trying to decide what its new mascot was going to be. Naoto Oshima was the winner of this contest for his design of Sonic the Hedgehog. He envisioned Sonic being the speedy little hedgehog that would run through levels, which worked incredibly well for the gameplay designer Yuji Naka. Oshima and Naka are considered the joint creators of Sonic the Hedgehog. In our first half, it was Yuji Naka I was alluding to, as creating one of the worst games of 2021 with Balan Wonderland. Yeah, I'd heard quite a bit about that game. It looks very cute, but apparently the gameplay is complete trash. Yep, it is, it is. Which is a shame, because like, the little top hat head guy, he looks kind of cute. It's kind of iconic. If the game had actually been good, maybe it could have went somewhere. Naoto Oshima is also the creator of Eggman, who originally started off as a design for the mascot. Really? One of Naoto Oshima's other designs that he had was to create this dude with a big moustache and round glasses, wearing pyjama outfit. That design ended up becoming what they used to base Eggman off of. What a heel turn. I know. Because I'm showing Jenna image of it right now. He is just this chubby looking chill dude dressed in his pyjamas. Maybe that's what he was before he decided to become a technocratic warmonger. Yeah, this is what he was like in university when he was getting his doctorate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the going into classes in your pyjamas thing, such a mood. Especially in the year of our <laughs> Lord 2022. It's so strange though that in another universe, Eggman would have been the hero. And Sonic is the villain. Yeah. I mean, I would say, imagine if Sonic was a villain and then we remember that Shadow and Silver exist. Yeah, but then Sonic is nothing but if not a complete magnet for rivals. If I was a hedgehog, I'd probably envy Sonic. Even if you weren't a hedgehog like Knuckles. Yeah. Sonic's inspiration was actually taken from a lot of characters from the 90s. Michael Jackson for his kind of buckled shoes. Apparently Santa Claus as well is why they're red. And the bit that fucks me off is that I keep reading everywhere that his attitude is based on Bill Clinton. What? His attitude is based on Bill Clinton's Get It Done campaign from his presidential election in 1992, which makes no fucking sense. (gasps) Sonic was designed in 1991. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's fake news. It has to be, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, gaming in the Clinton years indeed. That was Sonic 2006. Oh no! No! I'm having horrible images right now. Fuck you, Sandro. And fuck you, Bill Clinton. I found a translated interview of Naruto Oshima saying that his attitude was based on Bill Clinton. But again, I have to assume he's got it wrong. That campaign was until 1992, and Sonic was made in 1991 at the very latest. The timeline doesn't make sense at all. I assume that maybe later... Elements of the character was based on Bill Clinton. I could believe that. But it could have been there from the start. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was just an OG Bill Clinton fan. That's complete nonsense. It's fake news. Some Democrat bootlicker Sonic the Hedgehog fan has (laughs) made this up because he really likes Bill Clinton. To be fair, it's a translated interview. So maybe you're saying something completely different. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Bill Clinton was the inspiration for this one. Yeah, it was totally Bill Clinton. I'm trying to think if there's anyone in the Sonic universe called Monica. 
<laughs> the closest we have to a moniker is Rouge the Bat. <laughs> I think it's because of Sonic's 90s energy is why he's never really found a place ever since the end of the Mega Drive. He's a product of a time and place in history, and the further we leave the 90s, the more he loses that style. If you ask me, and this is my podcast, you basically are, it's why when Sonic is remembered in Sonic Generations and Sonic Mania, designers lean much more into the cute aspects of the silent character rather than the coolness factor. A great example of this is compare the intro to Sonic CD to Sonic Mania. Sonic CD has this depiction of Sonic that everything he does is effortless. It's precise. He's like he's Swiss made. It's just so laser focused in his ability to move. He wouldn't look out of place in a Dragon Ball Z episode. It was the animated to Dragon Ball Z that made that intro. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Compare that to Sonic Mania. And in its defence, it is made by people who are fans of that original intro and want to do something like it for this new game. The intro depicts this Sonic who overshoots and has to correct himself when he's running. He always flashes his arms out and has this big smile on his face when he's doing things. Like he's having fun doing this. It's the difference between a Sonic that's effortlessly cool and Sonic CD. And purposeful. Compared to a Sonic that is having fun and doesn't try to be cool in Mania. Yeah, I think Sonic's had so many years of trying to be cool that people have kind of given up on him trying to be cool. Is this element that he used to just be cool and now the character is he doesn't care if he's cool or not. He's going to do what he thinks is fun and that he thinks is cool. Even though he's aware it probably isn't, he just doesn't care. Yeah. The Sonic CD one feels anime, but the Sonic Mania one feels cartoony. Yeah, and that's the Sonic Mania one that probably translates more to the movie series they've been doing. Yeah, I've actually not seen those movies yet. The, the second one have came out by the time we released this episode. The first one I've seen, though, and it actually is quite a good movie. I would happily sit and watch that with you tonight, if you like. Yeah. Despite my chat about the creators, I do want to make clear for Sonic 2. It's a different team that making Sonic 2 than what made Sonic 1. So not Team Sonic? A different Team Sonic? Yeah, right. After the success of the first game, it was decided that the creation of Sonic 2 will be left to Sonic's American division called Sega Technical Institute, STI. <laughs> it was a mix of Japanese and American developers that made Sonic. Yuji Naka left the Japanese team and moved to America to work with the American team instead. So the American team made Sonic 2 using new assets but with similar gameplay to Sonic 1. At the same time, the Japanese team were making a game for Sega's upcoming Mega CD add-on to the console called Sonic CD. That game was being led by Naoto Oshima. Sonic CD was made with same looking assets as Sonic 1. So Sonic looks the same as he did in the first game, but had this whole new twist in the gameplay where you could now travel through time. Right. So it's not a... There's the 3D one where like all the facial expressions were like really weird and wacky. That's uh, that's not totally Dreamcast. Oh, that's not totally Dreamcast. I thought so. There's quite a lot of promotion for this game that came out around this time. There is this really interesting dance mix that your mum showed us that was released about Sonic for this time. Yeah! Actually charted in the UK. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of really stupid things that charted in the UK that didn't make it to the US. Yeah. Very much fits into the kind of dance trance movement that was going around in the 90s at the time. Yeah, Sonic Rave. Yeah. <laughs> there was actually two cartoons that came out about this time as well. The first one was a more silly cartoon 
with Sonic and Tails fighting Robotnik and his two kind of henchbots, Grounder and Scratch. I watched that one a lot as a kid. And then there's the other one that's a lot more kind of serious and dark. It's about Sonic and this group of freedom fighters fighting out against the evil Eggman. Yeah, uh, Super Eye Patch, we'll talk about it. At some point, I have to show you the mental public service announcements they put at the end of the more kind of silly, cartoony one. Mm-hmm. Best exemplified by the time they told you what to do when a stranger touches you. Ah. <laughs> Kids, there's nothing more cool than being hugged by someone you like. But if someone tries to touch you in a place or in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, that's no good. You run fast. <laughs> For Sonic 2, the big thing they wanted to introduce to the franchise was two-player mode. Mm-hmm. That led to the creation of Tails. Or to use his full name, which you now know. Miles Tails Prower. Yes, Miles Prower is his full name. Here's the best parts, Jen. Right, yeah, right, Jen, Jen. Okay, okay, Jen. <laughs> right, the name Miles Prower, right? It's, it's amazing, right? It's actually wordplay of <laughs> Miles Per Hour. Ha ha ha. I actually didn't get the joke. What? I didn't manage to get it until after I'd finished the game. How? I don't know. It just, I don't know. I was too busy struggling through the levels to really like put two and two together. Admittedly, when you read it, it's always miles, tails per hour. Yeah. I don't think there's a tails in miles per hour. Uh, It depends on how fast I'm going in the motorway and what the roadkill situation is like. (laughs) Yeah. Try not to kill too many foxes or hedgehogs on your way over. I mean, hey, you're not like Dr. Eggman who will happily try and run over a hedgehog and a fox with his huge big monster truck. Yep, that's just the way he rolls. Yay! Um, <laughs> so yes, they wanted to create a psychic for Sonic and they thought the best idea was to go, well, he's a hedgehog. Who's the natural psychic for a hedgehog? Hmm, a fox. Yeah, just like in the Auriculus poem. What, what, what? I, I did a bit of reading up, hoping to find something about Sonic, and I was actually very surprised at how little Google turned up. One essay that came up was The Hedgehog and the Fox by Asaya Berlin. Mm-hmm. The gist of it, he puts forward that there are two different kinds of brain. There's the hedgehog brain, which focuses on one very big thing, and the fox that can focus on many different things. The essay is based on a parable by an ancient Greek poet called Archilochus, where the fox was trying everything to attack a hedgehog, but never succeeded, because the hedgehog knew how to defend itself. There are parallels, but the key difference is is that the hedgehog and the fox and Sonic the Hedgehog are very much working together and very much friends. Sonic knows how to do two things, three, Jump on things and run fast. And suck hard. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a great little kind of tidbit of ancient Greek philosophy, but I don't think it has the level of Coca-Cola and cocaine that really comes to the creation <laughs> of a lot of things in Sonic. You never know. They <laughs> might have read something. With Tails being designed by Yasushi Yamaguchi, the biggest addition to this game is having a co-op two-player mode where you play as Sonic and the second player can play as Tails. And an addition of the versus mode, where Sonic and Tails race through a level so you can get it through it first. Which uh, we didn't do. By that point, I figured the lesser subject you to Sonic, the better. Yeah. I also didn't manage to find any Chaos Emeralds. 
on my travels and therefore didn't manage to make him go Super Saiyan. No, no. Oh, I mean Super Sonic. Yes. That is actually a massive reference to Dragon Ball. That makes sense. That <laughs> makes total sense. Hence why he goes yellow and gets like a big kind of glowing aura and all his spikes raise up. Yeah, he goes Sonichu colored. <laughs> <laughs> like with Mario, there isn't much story to this game. So what we're going to do again is we're going to read out the instruction manual's backstory that it gives us. Right. Miles, Tails, Prower, the fox, can't sit still when Sonic is around. Ever since Miles was a baby fox, he's dreamed of being like Sonic. He loves to run after Sonic, waving his two tails behind him, trying to keep up with his hero. It's very interesting that we start off with they can't sit still when Sonic's around. That's a very interesting way to start your introduction to the character. Yeah, not where how he wasn't in the first game or anything like that. No, just and tails are here now too. Ah, oh, Sonic, you're so cool. I just I've wanted to be like you for so long. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to that when we talk about the end theme. Yeah. Mostly, Sonic lets him trail along, but sometimes, just to show off, Sonic explodes in a burst of super speed and leaves him behind. But Miles doesn't give up. There's nothing weirder than hearing him call Miles. Yeah. He whirls his tails like a helicopter rotor and takes off flying until he catches up. A lot of exclamation marks in this like it's supposed to sound cool. There's generally a rule when it comes to like creative writing. Like in essays you don't put exclamation marks unless it's in a quotation. But the general rule of creative writing is to use your exclamation marks very sparingly. Mm-hmm. But I feel it's very interesting that you use an exclamation mark twice and at the end of two paragraphs because it's cool yeah all the animals call miles by his nickname tails because of his two tails because of his two special tails now isn't that a little ableist (laughs) you wouldn't call a wheelchair kid wheels (laughs) yeah nicknaming the wheelchair kid hot wheels it's a bit offensive, isn't it? If the child on a wheelchair decides, like, yes, call me, I don't care. But at the same time, why that nickname? Were they calling him in a nasty way? Was it just like, hey, that fox has got two tails, that's pretty cool. Oh, wow, we can fly using those tails. I think it's most likely the latter. Where it's like, oh, wow, this fox can fly using his tails. We're going to call him Tails. Because we're not very creative. Exactly. It's, I imagine it's supposed to sound like, oh, wow, you've got two tails. We're going to call you tails. We are getting well into overanalyzing this thing. And then one day they saw an astonishing feat. They were all together in the forest watching Sonic perform. Sonic would run, spin and jump in his super spin attack. Then tails would whirl like a turbo engine and blast off in his super dash attack. What a show off! Another explanation wow. So I think that's the in-canon explanation as to why Sonic couldn't do a spin dash or a super spin attack in the first game. Mm. Suddenly, Tails couldn't help himself. He took a running start, curled up his tails, and whoosh! He was spinning like Sonic. And that's why we now have Tails in this game. Do you want to take over? Yeah. Cool. But now something frightening is happening. Sonic's friends are disappearing. In their place, nasty metal robots are popping up all over the island. The mad scientist Dr. Robotnik is at it again! But I just get a scandalog here. Every fucking paragraph ends in an exclamation mark. It is an artistic choice. We're going to pronounce every one, so we're going to have fun with it. Yeah, we will. This time, Robotnik's planning a global disaster. 
he needs workers to create a doomsday machine that can take over the world. So he's trapping all the animals, turning them into robots, and forcing them to build his ultimate weapon, the Death Egg! Which is just the Death Star. It's the Death Star, but it's an egg. Just changed enough to get around copyright. We gave it a Dr. Eggman face. What came first, the Death Chicken or the Death Egg? <laughs> we'll chalk it up to another influence that went into Sonic. Clearly Star Wars. Robotnik now rules the factories and refineries and cities. Wait, the animals had cities before Robotnik came? Okay. He's grabbed control of everything except the seven Chaos Emeralds. These magnificent gems are believed to hold exceptional powers. With them, Robotnik could have the entire world in his grasp, and he'd never let go! The Chaos Emeralds are buried somewhere on the island. Only one tough dude with spiky hair has the speed to find them first. Bart Simpson. <laughs> Help Sonic stop the devious scheme of the demented scientists. Spin like a speedball through space. Grab power sneakers and loop till you're dizzy. Twirl over twisting speedways and rocket through tunnels. Balance and blast across a bubbling ocean of oil. Find the emeralds, free the animals and squash Robotnik forever. I just imagine someone screaming this whole thing in your face. <laughs> okay, but oh, I do, it's worth pointing. Number one, you never found a single fucking emerald. Yeah. And number two, this is far from the last time we see Robotnik. Yeah. I was going to say that in the middle of reading, but I decided against it. It's probably for the best I didn't find the Chaos Emeralds, because now they've stayed buried. Yes, yes. Unless uh, Tails managed to eat a whole bunch of them, or whatever they do with those Chaos Emeralds. See, I, was, I was half expecting this game, because it did it in the first game, that if you didn't catch all the, the Chaos Emeralds, after you saw the end credits, you just see this image of Robotnik juggling all the Emeralds he didn't get, and it would just say, try again. That's yeah. about the closest the game had to a true ending. That's a horrible thing to do to a child. You've like worked so hard to get through that game. Probably more difficult for a child than it would be for me, although that's debatable. Mm-hmm. You've finally gotten to the end, you've defeated Dr. Robotnik, and then at the end screen it's him holding all the Chaos Emeralds going, Hey, hey you've not won, I win. Games like this, though, they have a glee in making you play again. Wait until you get to Crash Bandicoot. And you just watch every box you didn't get smash off Crash's head while he cowers. Hang on, are you exaggerating for comedic purposes or is this actually in the game? That's actually how every level ends. This was games in the 90s. They took glee in saying, get better. Again, that's the most you get into story in this game. But I think you do get a great idea as to what the inspiration for Sonic is. Of just, ah, fuck it, here's just another reason to play another game. Yeah. One further name about this game's development I do want to bring up is the composer Masato Nakamura. I was a bit regretful when I came to the decision that we had to do Sonic 2 instead of Sonic 3 because I would love to have talked about the weird story of how Sonic 3 had Michael Jackson as its composer. When I started looking into Nakamura, I was not disappointed to find out about him and his story. Mm -hmm. I always vaguely knew that he was like this musician. But it's only when researching this episode I finally sat down and listened to the music from his band Dreams Come True. It is amazing. It is exactly what Sonic music would sound like if he actually did it as a real genre. Mm-hmm. I like the music. Really fast tempo, but it's a lot more varied than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. There's some games where the music is very repetitive, but with Sonic, the composers really made an effort to keep things as varied as possible. Like, no Zones World sounds 
exactly the same. There's such a theme to the music of Japanese pop. Mm-hmm. When you listen to the music of Sonic 2, like the Chemical Plant Zone is a perfect example of this. If you listen to that music, you can hear the two hands on the synthesizer doing the melody to it. There's also a background bass track. There's also a drum track. And it just sounds like pop music. It kind of gives me holding out for a hero vibes. It absolutely benefits from having a pop composer writing this music. This is the same guy who did the soundtrack for Sonic 1, but with Sonic 2, he just completely understood how to translate his style of music into Mega Drive music. The music for each zone was very varied. After maybe the second world, there were points where it did get a bit repetitive, especially like times where I kept dying and I kept having to come back to a certain level. To what extent I like each song is very dependent on how easy I found those levels, to be honest. <laughs> it's got some really good themes. There's a really good variation. Like, there's some, like, the casino zones got, like, a really jazzy cabaret sound. Yeah, I, I love the casino night music as a kid. You can just see the, the zoot suit people clicking along with the song, you know? There's some songs in the soundtrack I feel reflects what's going on in Sonic's head. There's some songs like the Casino Zone and the Metropolis Zone don't. They sound like the music of the setting. So the Casino Zone, it's like a jazzy cabaret club type thing. And the Metropolis Zone sounds like 80s commercial music. True, but I think Metropolis has this much more industrial sound to it. Yeah. Like there's a lot more things like record scratches and yeah. percussion. Reminds me a little bit of what they did with the Robocop theme, was they added a lot more metallic sounds to have this idea of a metallic man. Yeah, yeah. The more obvious electric guitar riff. As much as Chemical Plant Zone sounds like it should be on the synthesizer, the main theme to Metropolis sounds like it should be on electric guitar. I got I just got like commercial mall music from Metropolis Zone, which is exactly what you want, I'm assuming. Yeah, but I, I imagine that's what it's going for. It's supposed to be manufactured music. Yeah. Possibly the most visceral feeling that I got from the music in Sonic was the drowning theme. It's got the kind of similar, like, semitone chromatic thing that the Jaws theme has. And it gets faster and faster the longer Sonic is left to drown. It is just horrendously stressful especially in the chemical plant zone when i first discovered that sonic could in fact drown any favorite songs from the soundtrack um probably the sky chase zone oh yeah it's very melodic soft airy gentle music yeah it's very serene like you know like you're floating on clouds the synths kind of sound like brassy and trumpety Mm -hmm. yeah it's really nice relaxing music for a level where Sonic is literally standing on a plane as like more robot planes come at them and try to shoot them out of the sky. He's literally standing on a moving plane and like has to jump on the moving plane too. Let's just go through all the zones of this game. First zone we get is the Emerald Hill Zone. Mm-hmm. Quite a straightforward level in a nice kind of vista. It's traditionally where all Sonic games kind of start. Usually right by the water. In zone one, it was pretty fun. There were hardly any enemies. There was no way you could like die. Mm-hmm. You couldn't like fall off anything. Really good way to help you get used to 
the controls and the platforming before chemical plant zone where they just go right you've learned everything you need to learn here's a place full of toxic chemicals have fun <laughs> when you get to the end of the emerald hill zone you will get to an encounter with eggman that you get at the end of every zone yeah he just shows up in a new vehicle to try and pummel you into the ground yeah we get our first encounter of dr eggman yeah it's a bit like mario where you have to keep jumping on their head Admittedly, with Sonic, it's a bit easier. You don't have to jump on his head. You also can just jump underneath him, but you have to hit him in ball form. Yeah, as long as you don't get him in, you know, anywhere where there's weapons. You usually have to hit him eight times every time. Oh, it's eight times every time? Yeah. Right. Now, one thing that happens when you go through all zones is you collect rings. Yeah. More than just being kind of cool collectibles in Mario, this is also the closest thing you have to health in the game. Whenever Sonic has rings and he gets hit, he'll drop all his rings. Usually, it'll kind of scramble around you. You can grab a few. But if Sonic takes damage while he's not got any rings, or if he falls down a bottomless pit, he will die. Yeah. The Sonic death animation, like, he stiffens up and his eyes go wide open like a proper corpse and rigor mortis before he falls off the level. Yeah. It's Actually the- kind of horrifying. It's got this kind of expression that does kind of say, I've just got hit in the groin. I don't know, it's just more deathly than anything. Like he's, like he's surprised by his own death. He's like, oh, bugger, I've died. Ooh. Oops. I've only just gone and drowned in some toxic waste. Yep. I hate Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> so you get through that and we're on to the next zone, chemical plant zone. It's this very kind of purple mechanical looking zone with strange kind of chemicals that you can fall into. Won't hurt you, but you can drown in it. it looks very toxic. Yeah, it is a complete contrast to Emerald Hill Zone. Yes, absolutely. It is like pretty much the exact opposite. A lot more difficult. That was when the first time where I actually had to stop my own momentum. It was that moment where like I realised that at the end of each boss fight with Dr. Eggman, you go to like a big contraption machine cage thing and you jump on it to open it and hundreds of little baby animals like flee out everywhere. In Chemical Plant Zone, I realised that those baby animals are being forced to pilot all the robot enemies. Yes. Whenever you're killing an enemy, don't feel bad when the baby animal falls out. You are freeing it. It is liberated now. Yes. I kind of prefer that element to what happened in Mario, where like they're just like walking about, minding their own business, and here comes Mario running up trampled their head before getting on with his day. Yeah, just curb stomping you to victory. Yeah. And you score points depending on how many animals you liberate. The points don't matter except to you as a person. It's the old vestige of the arcade machines still kind of ruling gaming at this point. Every game has to offer you points so you know how good you were at the game. Yeah. This zone is probably the most iconic in Sonic 2. In both Sonic Generations and Sonic Mania, they did a thing where they took old levels and reimagined them with modern design. Both games take Chemical Plant Zone as the zone to be kind of remembered from Sonic 2. Mm-hmm. So it's one that clearly Sonic Team thinks is the best in this game. I mean, it is certainly iconic. It is the jumping off point. Essentially, Emerald Hill Zone is the tutorial. It's not hard. Chemical Plant Zone is like quite a bit more challenging. The one thing that frustrated me was that I kept getting squished by some of the moving platforms. There's a very famous part of this level where you're running along and then the chemical will start to flood from the bottom. It will flood fast and you can climb one of these kind of shafts that has these moving platforms. 
they're squares and they move like diagonally across and then diagonally there. Mm-hmm. And you have to jump between them sometimes you accidentally get squashed. It was very frustrating and very stressful. Yeah, I've heard that referred to as being the chemical trap. Yeah. It's this area that a lot of people will fall for in the first time playing the game and usually lose a life to. The biggest dick move to it though is that you get through the shaft and get to the top. You go left over the full pool of chemicals and if you aren't careful there's a missing platform which will then make you fall down and you end up back in the trap. Oh, that's the worst. I don't think I fell on that though. No, I think you actually you were going quite cautiously at this point because you didn't want to fall down again. Yeah, I was very wary of falling again for obvious reasons. We did say that you were going to save after each zone, but it's been a bit like Mario where you've just had to keep saving. Now, to be fair, to be fair, I then changed the rule that we're going to only save state at checkpoints. Yeah. So all we really did was just remove the lives element. Yeah, which helped me because there was absolutely no way I'd be able to go back to the start and do all that after everything. Mm -hmm. Couldn't. Lives are another one of these old remnants of the arcades where we have to try and get an end point in the game when you failed. Modern games these days don't do lives as much and probably for the best. Yeah, because I can understand the three strikes and you're out type thing. It adds stakes to the game. For platforming, as tricky as this, it's... A complete dick move. Cannot emphasize enough how glad I am we saved at checkpoints. With Mario, we had a similar thing. It was like, oh yeah, we'll save at the end of each world. And then I struggled to do the first level and you had to rethink. (laughs) You've got a habit of kind of like overestimating how much I can actually do in a game. Yeah, I kind of do, yeah. I believe in you. (laughs) You should. (laughs) Next zone after that is Aquatic Ruin. This is very kind of like Again, it's quite a lot of foliage this one, a lot of kind of ancient bricks. It looks like some sort of like Atlantis drowned level kind of thing. Yeah, this level was okay. Uh, like once I knew like, oh, go for the air bubbles, it was a lot easier. Yeah, this is the every Sonic game usually has its water level, and this is this game's water level. A lot of games have water levels. Like like one of the more famous ones, as far as I know, is uh, Donkey Kong Country. Yep. Uh, Mario has it, Sonic has it. It's quite a common thing in platforms was the water yeah. level. The trick the Sonic in the water, though, is that there will be these small columns of bubbles that when you jump into one, you can refresh your air. It's how you stop yourself from drowning when you're underwater for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite a simple zone, though. We kind of got through it quite quick. After it, though, comes the Casino Night Zone. This, again, it's a night city. The entire thing is so garishly lit. It has a lot of Las Vegas energy to it. Yeah, there weren't too many enemies, but there are platforms where you are pinged about like a pinball machine. Yes, and there's flippers. You can jump and you the flipper will send you off across the level. It was kind of quite fun pinging them about everywhere. That's kind of the joy of Sonic for me is just like the momentum and seeing where it goes. But there was the Dr. Eggman boss at Casino Night Zone where you were pinged about by the pinball machine mm. while trying to avoid and or smack Dr. Eggman over the heat. Mm-hmm. That made it really, really frustrating. A bit like Mario, Sonic isn't a brawler. Dr. Eggman is much bigger than him, so Sonic has to outsmart him. Yeah. Do a Mario jump in his head, very much as Bowser in that way. Mm-hmm. Sonic is an underdog, or an underhog, <laughs> if you like. It was during that boss fight with Eggman that was the very first time I took over his tails to help you fight him. Mm-hmm. I think you weren't just getting the timing right. You had to kind of jump off the wall at a particular moment to kind of hit Eggman, so I'll just give you a few hits with tails and also catch rings whenever you lost them. Yeah, that was really helpful because I kept losing rings all the time. It's very hard to avoid him when you're 
being shot across different ends of the level at random. Yeah. But yeah, the paintball mechanics this level are quite fun. There's like a slot machine you can play with. You get Sonic in this kind of area and then you'll get rings or lose rings. A lot of fun. Although, fuck the person who saw this level, all this fun pinball thought went, ah, pinball game involving Sonic and we'll call it Sonic Spinball. Don't play Sonic Spinball. Trust me. Yeah, I watched you play Sonic Spinball and it looked very sad. It is very sad. <laughs> I've never finished Sonic Spinball. Every time I start it, I can get through like the first area, get into the second and go, oh wait, no, this game really does suck, doesn't it? I stop playing. Yeah, I don't blame you. Like, what do you do in that game? Play pinball. Yeah, apart from play pinball. Do you expect it to be more than play pinball? I don't know. <laughs> but that's exactly, that's my thing, right? Is it's, that it's just casino. It's pinball, but coo. Coo. On to the Hilltop Zone. Hilltop Zone was the most frustrating for me. E. This one requires, like, the most strategic planning. Yeah, it's, this is the first of the levels to include lava in this game. And I think it was just the lava that just you could not get on board with. It was, you've got like a grassy plain and then right next to it is lava. Mm-hmm. Nothing can grow near lava. I don't know what, maybe I'm living in like the wrong planet, but I'm pretty sure that most grass would shrivel up and die before it even get the chance to grow anywhere near lava. Yeah. I mean, how many plants do you see like growing in and around a volcano? None, because it's too hot. It just added to my irritation about that level because Mario has lava levels and do you see plants growing there? No, you don't. I really hope they rectify this in later games because having like grass and lava and like right next to each other, it really annoys me. It annoys me more than it should. Up until now, this was just like one session that took you from Emerald Hill Zone to Hilltop Zone. It was during this zone that you stopped the first session just because you were too frustrated. Yeah, I mean, the frustration was mounting. <laughs> yeah, my frustration was getting really bad at this point. I got through the first act and then had to stop. I was not looking forward to coming back to it. I knew I had to. I needed to give this game a good shot, but I was I really procrastinated it. I didn't think of where his tails in this level, but one thing that did happen, I don't think you remembered this. When you got to a robotnik fight at the end of this zone, the computer was controlling tails and it kind of fell into the area where Robotnik was and it kept just jumping on him and bouncing on him and killed him all by itself. Yeah, it was before I could even do anything. Yeah, the computer was just like, no, no, I'll take care of this boss, Jen. You just sit there. Don't worry, Jen. I got you. That's the closest thing you're getting to easy modes of the game going, nah, I got this one. You sit there, Hen. Yeah, I wish it could have done that for the rest of the boss fights. No, that's not fair. I mean, I'm complaining about the thing being difficult, but it's like, People who go in and read the Ulysses or Finnegan's Wake expecting it to be an easy read is going to be sorely disappointed. I mean, people did tell me at points through the game, you know, I was talking to like some of our friends about it and they said, yeah, this is actually quite a difficult game. I had to remind myself that whenever I felt like an idiot for not being able to do any of the controls. Mm -hmm. People like their difficult books. Good for them. People like their difficult games. Good for them. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but I really hope that we as a society like stop with like the snobbery when it comes to these things. If someone's going to find a text difficult, you shouldn't really get at them for you know being inadequate if they're not engaging with a text the way it should be engaged with. Yeah, that's true. You get academic book and film snobs who do it, and you also get game snobs who do it as well. 
I regret in our very first episode that I kind of snubbed my nose at Dr. Kawashima's brain training. I did it as a joke, but in retrospect, I really hate a lot of the elitism that comes with games. I hate people who go, oh, when you only play like fucking mobile games, that's not a real gamer. Like, fuck off. Yeah, the whole like real gamer thing is incredibly subjective and actually doesn't matter with how vast the universe is and how throughout our 10,000 years of human civilization, whether or not someone is a quote-unquote real gamer, it doesn't matter. Of course, me, I'm telling myself this as someone who is not a gamer <laughs> doing a gaming podcast, but <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it still rings true. Yeah, this is a lot of words to just say that you didn't like the Hilltop Zone. I didn't like the Hilltop Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mystic Cave Zone next. It's this very dank looking level with vines all around. Kind of going through with these kind of like lights around the level to kind of lead you away. I will say, best fucking music in this game. Yeah, uh, there's a channel we watch called Digital Gaming that uses it a lot. Oh god. I will say this was like the very first time when we were picking our theme for the episode. With our previous episodes, there's just kind of one of these candidates to use. But with Sonic, there's about five or six candidates. And the one I'm eventually going with is the one of the Mystic Cave Zone. If nothing else for that badass baseline. Just so fucking good. I love this thing so much. Yeah, that's the only enjoyable thing about that level. I'm sorry. Like these, don't get me wrong, all these levels are very nicely designed. They look really good. You can feel yourself there type thing, kind of. I really don't want to be in a place where I have to traverse a lot of hidden spikes. Mm-hmm. Just like pits of spikes out of nowhere that kill you instantly and leaps of faith. There's quite a lot of those in Sonic anyway, but I notice them particularly badly in this in this level. Yes, it's a very unforgiving level for sure. One of the things I think really tripped you up were these hooks in the ceiling that you had to grab. Yeah, I hadn't encountered that in the tutorial. The physics are a bit off, it's quite hard to grab them. I mean, once I'd gotten into it, it was fine, but it took me a while to get. They've re-released Sonic 2. In one of the many releases they've done. They had the zone that got cut from this game called the Hidden Palace Zone back in. And you get to it by going down one of those paths that you fell down and landed in spikes. Ah! Oh. I decided not to play a version of the game that had that just because I think you have to suffer the indignity of falling down that pit and losing a life for complete bullshittery. Oh, so they'd like a whole level they had planned for it and instead, yeah, we're just going to put a whole bunch of spikes in here because we hate you. The zone was not supposed to be down that pit. There is a lot of levels that have been cut from Sonic 2. Because Sonic 2, remember that I was telling you about Sonic CD had this whole kind of time travel element? Mm-hmm. That was originally planned for Sonic 2, but it got cut back because they didn't want to have to like redraw all these zones. Really? Yes. I mean, fair. Next zone is the Oil Ocean. This has a lot of kind of look to it that the chemical plant zone, except this time you're in a big kind of like oil refinery. Yeah, it's but it's got like loads of jewels and stuff. The level itself, though, again, was one of the ones that just pissed you off. It's a very stop-start zone. You never really get the chance to get up to speed in this one. Yeah, there are, like, oil slides where, like, you step on one and it just pours you right back down to the bottom of the level again. Mm -hmm. Oil quicksand. Who knew that was a thing? Yeah, you just drown in oil. Yeah, I mean, what an awful way to die. And fans Mm -hmm. that just blow you whatever direction it's never a good direction that gets you anywhere it's always like away from the platform or back down where you've been before or off a ledge that leads to death 
Yeah, I think by this point I was playing Tails a lot just to help catch rings whenever you got hit. Mm-hmm. I tried not to play the game for Jen, but I just wanted to catch those rings so Jen could take a bit more pressure off herself and take a few more hits. Yeah, I mean, it was at this point I was beginning to actually admit to myself that I really wasn't enjoying this game. With Mario, I was getting frustrated, but I wanted to keep going. But it was at this level, I just couldn't. Oh man, I was really close to throwing the controller at your laptop at the emulator because I was just getting so frustrated. Yeah, though, you thought you were frustrated at the oil ocean. If only then you realised that you'd have to go through the metropolis zone next. Yeah, you had to actually take over for a section because I was struggling with it so long. You had a hard time with the metropolis zone. The platforming's probably its trickiest because Mm -hmm. there's small cubes you have to get across certain parts of the level. That's hard enough. Standing on like a little cube, but... You've got a one in four chance of being skewered by the spikes that come out of the cube. Just to explain this level, you're in this real ironworks. It really feels like you're in a factory. Yeah. There's pistons going on walls. There's these giant kind of like metallic roll cages. It's these giant screws with a bolt on them that you use to kind of like travel up and down by running on the bolt. A thoroughly miserable place for such happy music. Yeah. And the worst part of it all, all the other zones are broken up into two acts. The look on your face when you realise this one is the only zone in the game that has three acts. I think I actually cried. <laughs> oh, you are not happy. You are not happy when you got to that third zone. You're like, why am I not fighting Eggman? Why is there a post at the end of this act? Where's my Eggman fight? I had to go, Jen. Yeah, just one more you had to go through. Yeah. You did manage to make it through. and this Yes, is... just about. But though this is now the point of the game where I couldn't play Tails anymore. The last three zones, thankfully, are all just one act. But they also all solo play. At this point, it was entirely up to you to take you the rest of the way. I saw the word sky chase zone in the level and I think I was going to cry a little bit more because I thought, oh my God, it's a sky level. The sky levels in Super Mario Bros for reference. If you fall, you fall to your death. Yeah. And the platforming is really tricky and stuff. So I thought, oh my God, it's going to be another one of these. Oh my God, kill me. Yeah, your fucking hackles went up. I just saw you having the PTSD. Thankfully, it's not that bad. It's actually the easiest one in the game. A massive intermission of a level. Basically, Tails is flying a biplane and you're standing at the front of it. On the wings, yeah. Yeah. It's a very iconic look for the Sonic franchise. It shows up in a lot of games of Sonic standing on the plane while Tails is flying. Yeah, I mean, Tails just, you know, able to fly a plane. Yeah, that's fine. We'll not question that at all. He, has, he is talented, but like, he doesn't have much of a character. But he can fly with his tails. He understands flying. Yeah, he can fly two ways. Yeah, exactly. It's like how a bird would automatically make a great pilot. Wait, uh, but, but birds don't have arms. But they understand flight. That's the point. They understand how flight works. Although, admittedly by that method, tails should only know how to fly a helicopter. But never mind. And also, like, surely that would mean that dolphins would make the best sailors because dolphins would be really good at steering a steering wheel. That works. That totally works. Oh, it totally works, yeah. It's just just perfect logic. I mean, I don't know why we don't get dolphins to sail all of our cruise ships. Next next zone, the penultimate zone of this game, the Wing Fortress zone. By this point, you were just wanting to get fucking done with this game. It was exactly what I feared the last guy level was going to be. You're basically running around this giant airship, running under it, running over it, to get to Eggman in the cockpit. 
But you're scaling a flying airship. Mm-hmm. Like, while it's in the air and moving. And hey, I guess that's another way that uh, Sonic and Mario are similar. They both have scaled airships. Sonic does one big airship, but Mario does a lot of little airships. Also, Mario goes across the airship, whereas uh, Sonic scales around the side of the airship. Sonic, you're allowed to go your own tempo through the airship. With Mario, it's always auto-scrollers. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, let's not let's not get back into Mario. Yeah, before you have another fucking Nam flashback. Yeah. <laughs> The Eggman fight at the end of the zone, though, was the closest you came just to completely checking out. Oh my god, I forgot to take notes for that, so I managed to repress it. Like, you have, like, a really tiny closet-sized space with, like, four different spiky death robots that are also platforms and a death laser. And Dr. Eggman is just sitting there watching as this death laser tries to kill you and burn you alive what you have to do is try and stand on one of the platforms as it's moving around to hit the light before it blares and kills you Mm -hmm. but also without hitting the spikes at the bottom of the platforms yeah good luck all the bosses from this point on we did save scum a little bit just to get through it yeah we had to i had no choice if not jen would have been out and we've been coming back here with me just describing these levels to you. Exactly. I mean, it was a necessary evil. When you finally beat Eggman, though, even though you're already on an airship, he takes off and has like a skate pod and retreats to his space base and the Death Egg, which you managed to jump on and get a follow-on with. Well, cutscene Sonic managed to. Tails comes up and he helps kind of fly you up there. Yeah. With his biplane. And Sonic clings on to the airship as it is going into space, out of the atmosphere. And he still manages to hold on and climb onto the Death Egg. Yes, which is now our final zone of the game. Thank fuck. It's a very short zone. Yeah, it's really short, but that comes at a price. Yeah, because there's two boss fights to this one, which are the final two boss fights. Two boss fights. One thing you wanted to talk about, though, was the music, which, again, honestly, right, I have never listened to the music of the Death Egg zone. It only takes you about five seconds to go from the start of the zone to the first boss fight. One thing you actually did, you stopped and listened to the music of the zone, didn't you? Yeah, I wanted to go back and give the soundtracks a, a quick listen over because I wasn't able to properly appreciate the music for obvious reasons. In the Death Egg Zone theme, there's these cycle-type stings, the strings, and ominous bass, kind of like the Doom theme, all in a minor key. Mm-hmm. But in the melody is like this major key Dr. Eggman land national anthem. It's got this weird dissonance between like the the minor ominousness and the bass and like, you know, the melody, which is in a major key, which kind of adds to that sense of unease. Yeah, the Wing Fortress had this a lot too. Wing Fortress Zone had like this very triumphant fanfare, like had the kind of brassy synth of the Sky Chase Zone with the pomposity of Eggman. This is his like look at me i'm so great look at my wing fortress ha 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 fuck all you animals i'm ruling you all it has this very theme that i can only describe as like evil country national anthem yeah what you're meaning is it sounds like the national anthem of a country with a dictatorship because eggman is a dictator yes he is he's a military autocrat just like bowser except without adopted children Eggman has no one but his machines. There's not another human in the whole game. The music does a really good job at creating that. 
it's a shame you're not there long enough to actually listen to the, that music. No, because you go into your first fight, which is against Mecha Sonic. Yeah, not Metal Sonic. No, Metal Sonic's the baddie from Sonic CD. Metal Sonic is the one who becomes a reoccurring baddie in the franchise. And Mecha Sonic is... I have no fucking idea. It's quite interesting that one of the final bosses that you get is, you know, a robot version of the hero. But you have to fight with no rings. Yeah, you can't fight it with rings. There's no rings at all in the Death Egg. Yeah, absolutely none. What you have to watch with him is you can't jump in his head because he's got buzz saws for spikes. Mm-hmm. So like you touch the spikes at all, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can spin dash him to kind of beat him. Yeah, but that took me a while to realise that you had to tell me that. I was a bit blinded with anger and frustration to really actually strategize things properly. True. You got through it though, but then you realise he's just the appetizer for the main course that is the final Eggman fight. <gasps> Jesus. Literally takes into a giant mecha Eggman. I thought like, oh, this will be the last one. This will be the last one. It's over. It's finally over. But then... Cutscene Sonic chases after Dr. Eggman and he goes into a bigger Eggman suit like that episode in Doctor Who which I'm still mad about. You have to hit this Mecha Eggman a lot more than eight times. Yeah, I was counting eight hits to try and get through it as quick as we can. I think it's like 12 for this one instead. Yeah, 12 times. Very hard to manoeuvre around him. I Yeah, I was numb at this point trying my absolute best to get through it didn't want to let this fucking game win i was on my i think i was on my second jack daniels (laughs) i'm not an alcoholic by the way i know we're glaswegian but like we're not alcoholics but sweet god this game (laughs) you did eventually manage to beat him though i was actually kind of surprised i managed to get through it in the end because it just felt like this hell would go on forever and ever and I'd be stuck but when it was over there was just this sense of I couldn't even be all that relieved I was just I was just numb it's like oh oh thank goodness it's over it's it's over it's finally over beating Eggman also triggers the destruction of the death egg Sonic jumps out the death egg and then what triggers is the ending cutscene where Tails comes and catches you out of space and with his plane yeah, it kind of leads you down and this kind of beautiful music is playing in the background. Now, the best thing I found in my research, right? I didn't know this until I started researching Sonic 2. The composer Masato Nakamura, to help hype up Sonic, decided that he wanted to do a bit of cross-promotion for this game. He decided to turn the ending theme into an actual song with his band Dreams Come True. So he turned the song into this kind of ballad. It's actually sung in English, so you can listen to lyrics. Though that did cause a bit of a problem for us, didn't it? Not a problem, it was just an interesting, it was an interesting fact to note. An interesting choice. Uh, it's a love ballad, isn't it? Yeah. We lay like lovers in a warm embrace Your kisses thrill me like no one before what? It's a very nice love ballad. The song is nice, not saying the song is in any way bad. Beautiful little love ballad, but... I'm kind of sitting here questioning, who the fuck is this love ballad for in this game? It's for Sonic and Tails. Right, it's the only thing, there's no female in this game anywhere, unless you want to start getting into shipping Sonic and Robotnik. Which, no, no, It's this no, song, 
<laughs> it's this song that's all about like you know, oh I found the right person of the love all my life kind of thing. And I'm just sitting here thinking like the only thing that makes sense is that it's Tails and Sonic singing it to each other. But I mean, you think about it in the instruction booklet, he literally starts off with Tails can't sit still when he's around Sonic. That's they, he's in love with him. Like honestly, like if it wasn't for that song, yeah, yeah, they're just friends. They're just friends. No, I don't know. I'm. I think I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense that it's a love song, and I'm very glad it's a love song. I did not have sexual relations with that fox. <laughs> Bringing it back to Bill Clinton, why don't you? So, getting to the end of Sonic, though, how did you feel looking back at your experience? Um, I feel like I'm a changed person. Really? In what way? I've seen things you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I am playing it up a little bit this yeah. time. But it was very difficult and I'm glad it's over. And now I can like move on with my life and play more Pokemon Arceus. <laughs> it's a shame you had such a hard time with this game. This is such a nostalgic soft spot for me. I can't say I'm surprised that you had a hard time with it. Yeah. It has informed, like our next game, got a good idea of what we're kind of doing for our next kind of three, four episodes. And admittedly, not our next episode, the episode after that was going to be a platformer. That has been changed. To give you a bit more of space before we go back to platforming. Yeah. You have had to change the curriculum for me. Yeah, otherwise I just think I would you'd get to the point where you start hating platformers. Yeah, and also like we want to keep things varied as well. Very true. Well there is barely any plot to this game. I do think you were able to extract quite a lot from its kind of narrative theming, couldn't you? Yeah. You've got a whole narrative where Dr. Eggman is a force of industrialization and urbanization. Mm-hmm. And he's a dictator and colonist imposing it on Sonic and Tails and all their cute little furry friends. Everything that's good in this game is natural and, you know, trees and animals running free. And evil is portrayed as being robots and traps and all this other kind of metal spikes and of the 11 zones three of them are kind of based at industrial sites yeah and look thoroughly miserable Mm -hmm. also there's something to be said about and a lot of these kind of like science fictiony type things villains are portrayals or projections of traits about ourselves that we don't like we don't like that we are kind of swallowing up nature with like our concrete and metal because nature is nice for the most part we don't want to think that you know we're ruining our natural landscape so we're going to put in a narrative where the animals win yeah this is like the second game they're covered in a row where urbanization is some of the driving force that went into it the differences between like listen to our pokemon episode for more detail about the you know theme of urbanization within pokemon but in essence the gradual urbanization within pokemon you know going from rural town to like a city and places like that it's all part of like the natural world and it's a way of life and sonic urbanization is imposed on them and it must be defeated mm-hmm I actually thought Sonic 2 should have been our very first episode, but then I had the idea of, well, you really have to start a video game podcast on Mario. Yeah. If we played Sonic 2 first and then did Super Mario Bros. 3 now, do you think your opinion would have been reversed? Maybe, actually. Mm -hmm. 
I might have also found Mario a bit easier mm-hmm. because I would have had to learn the oh shit, gotta stop my momentum. Yeah, Mario kind of flies all over the place, but the momentum is a bit easier to handle. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Sonic, because he goes so fast, it's a lot harder. Yeah, Mario is kind of blessed that it has a run button that Sonic doesn't. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a bit more finicky with Mario's platforming, you just let go of the run button. Yeah. With Sonic, though, you're, well, he does have like a build up to his highest speed. You're always kind of battling with that momentum. Yeah, it's kind of a bit harder to just walk. Mm-hmm. So we've had a few more people writing in for this time. I'm so excited every time we get one of these messages. I actually kind of love reading them and seeing how people engage with Sonic. Thank you so much for sending your letters in, guys. First one I have is from Steph, who wrote, I remember it was my first game on the Sega Mega Drive that I had at my gran and papa's house. I was tired of playing the same first couple of levels over and over again, but my gran would have freaked out if she knew I was going to leave it on overnight while sleeping. I remember strategically placing blue tack on the red lights to hide the fact that I was leaving it on overnight so I could continue playing since I had no way of saving the game. (laughs) It's a great example of how that game was not easy to play. It took you a few playthroughs to get through. And the fact there being no saves was just also an idea that you had to do it in one sitting. I'm so glad that that's no longer a thing. I'm so glad that things auto-save now. A lot of games back then would remove saving features but then include a level cheat. Yeah. The idea being is that the level cheat replaces your need to save the game. Yeah, because like if you get a level cheat, you can just skip to the last bit of the game. True, but if you're being more honest about it, if you only get as far as the Mystic Cave, then the next time you play, you can just go straight back to Mystic Cave. Mm, that's true. By Sonic 3, there is a save feature. So they do bring it into Sonic in the future. Another message I want to read out is actually from my big brother, Claudio, that probably puts it better than I ever could. It was technically the first co-op game I remember playing with Sandro. Because he was young at the time and he could play Tails, because Tails had infinite lives but could collect rings. At the same time, it was great to play with them, especially in the special stage, collecting rings to collect the emeralds. Yeah, that's something you didn't do in your game at all, was coming across a single special stage. No, I just, I just wanted to run fast to get through the levels. I didn't know how to get them. Yeah. They don't you, make it obvious. They don't, they don't. If you have 50 rings and you hit one of the checkpoints, some stars will appear and you can jump in and go through a special stage. It's kind of got this kind of infinite runner look to it. We have to collect these rings to get the emeralds. If you collect all seven emeralds, then you unlock the ability to play as supersonic in the game. You get 50 rings, you jump, and then you'll turn to supersonic, at which point you're invulnerable, move faster, jump higher, and just kind of walk through everything in the game. Okay, well, let's go into the three gens and see if we can kind of just round out your opinion in this game. Great. Our first question for last gen. Did the game live up to your expectations? And is there anything that you now understand better about this franchise now having finished it? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I, I said at the start of the episode that I thought the platforming was going to be more difficult and mm-hmm. I was right. But also, I was expecting to enjoy it more because mm-hmm. I've enjoyed most of the games on this so far, except for this one. It was about time we did end up getting a bit of a dud. Yeah. I mean, saying it's a dud's a bit unfair to it because it's not really, it's just something that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen. You're not going to get and understand and enjoy every single book you read or every single film you see. I say that I understand, like I've met Sonic and Tails and Eggman as opposed to having just heard of them through, like, internet videos. Yeah, you get a bit more of the dynamic. Sonic is a likeable protagonist. He is, yeah. Like, you know, even before I started playing the game, I wanted to be his friend, right? Mm -hmm. If you, like, come off the controls for a bit and don't do anything, 
he will look at the camera. He will look at you and tap his foot. Come on, hurry up. I gotta run fast. I've got fluffy animals to liberate. Hurry up. Mm-hmm. What are you waiting for? But that's all kind of like part of the charm. I know who they are now, you know? Yeah, I get you. I get you. For current gen then, do you feel it holds up as a classic? And is there anything that you felt didn't work in the game? I don't know if I can adequately answer that question because I've had such a hard time with it. I would probably say the controls could do with being a little bit less bullshit. Like play a little bit less tricks on you and kind of go a bit easy. But at the same time, I understand that that was the genre. That's what games were like back then. It's like when I complain about Robinson Crusoe being like too blocky and having no paragraph breaks and being a bit turgid. That's just what a lot of novels looked like at the time. And it's kind of the same here. Admittedly, with things like Sonic Mania, they go back to this game style. After Sonic 3 and Knuckles, the Sonic franchise goes through a massive wilderness where it tries to kind of keep up with technology and then realises it can't. Which is interesting considering, you know, technology is like associated with the antagonist of the game. Yeah, but unfortunately the Sonic franchise has only in the the past few years, I think, finally cracked 3D gameplay. Right. It spent a lot of time trying to break that wheel that just ripped them apart every time. It's also mildly ironic that Sonic, whose whole thing is going fast, couldn't keep up with the zeitgeist. Yeah. That's sadly true. (laughs) And finally, would you recommend this game to a newcomer? And are you interested in playing any more Sonic games? Um, For people who are completely new to platforming, should probably opt for that little brother mode because that's how you learned how to play from your brother. Yeah, playing as Sonic and Tails. And you guys got a lot out of that. That's how you came to love Sonic. So I'm imagining that that's probably a good place to start as well plus it means that playing alongside a more experienced player you can get familiar with the levels before they can kill you i actually went back over and played some mario not long before we started recording and i had a much easier time with it Mm -hmm. i mean before like i really struggled with the first world and even after playing mario the first time trying to play it again i really struggled with it but i'm doing a lot better with it now in the time it took for you to walk the dog, I got to like level six, which was a lot more than what I've done before. And this was without like save stating every two minutes. Mm-hmm. I only needed to save state at the start of levels. I took out that whole lives thing, but I still did improve. So I have a feeling that as we go on with platformers, it would be quite interesting to see how I do, you know, once my platforming abilities have improved. It is a skill. It might surprise you, but gaming is like a proper skill. That's something not to underestimate. I mean, speedrunners are masters of their craft. Are you interested in seeing the other games of the Sonic franchise? Uh, One of my university friends quite liked Sonic Unleashed. Now, I've heard it's a very bad game, but to her there's a lot of stuff it does right, and also Sonic being a werewolf, what's not to love? He's not a werewolf though, because a were implies man. Right. It was a hog wolf. <laughs> a hedge wolf. Yeah, hedge wolf. Yeah, that, I was going to say that. Yeah, that does sound a bit better. Sonic is something that's lasted and it's endured for a reason. There have been plenty of imitators, but none of them have stuck it out the same as Sonic has. True, of all those kind of 90s characters, Sonic is still going, for better or for worse, he's still the only one that seems to have survived the 90s. 
despite everything that those games have been through, he still managed to keep a pretty devoted fan base. Yeah, somehow. This game is boring. I'm out of here. Leaving Sonic behind us now and taking a look at our first four episodes so far. Well, I hate to say it, but it's all a bunch of kiddie shite. Some fat wee plumber. A bunch of lads playing pirate and calling each other nasty names. What the fuck are you doing? Arsing about with some daft wee beasties. And now some stupid blue rat. (laughs) Nah. This is a Glasgow podcast, and next time, we're bringing a good dose of Glaswegian violence to this podcast. See this next episode? I am bringing fire and destruction to this podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) This next episode, I'm going to unleash the demons of hell onto this podcast, and we'll be fighting back with our balls in one hand and a big fucking gun in the other. This next episode. I shall bring you doom. <laughs> yes, we are going to be covering the 1990. <laughs> yes, we are going to be playing the 1993 release of Doom for the PC. If you have any thoughts and experiences playing this game, as always, please email us at starterquest at gmail.com or send your tweets to at starterquest with this hashtag starterquest with your thoughts on Doom. If you also just want to check in with us, hear me talking shy and just having a laugh, do check out the Twitter page. I'm usually kind of putting something up every get a few days. A lot of fun things I've found with Sonic. If you want to see the mad stuff I came across my Sonic research, you can be able to find us there. And for now though, thank you very much for listening. There's no kind of words to explain the joy I have in watching our subscriber numbers just slowly climb up each time we release an episode. I am having so much fun recording this. It's amazing to see this episode go all around the world. I'm seeing people listening from Canada, United States, Australia, Brazil, India, New Zealand. Sweden. It's incredible. And I love the fact you're all listening. And I hope you keep listening to us. Always feel free to give us feedback on your podcast platform of choice. We're always looking for ways to improve. And your input will be so grateful to us. Even if it's just a five star saying good job, we appreciate it all the same. It helps us get noticed and that's really all we can do to help grow this bigger. As always, you can find me on our Twitter page of at StarterQuest. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Jen Hughes Writing, and my website, jenhugheswriter.com. We'd also like to thank DJJD and Ectogemia for this episode's theme song, Spunktastic. <laughs> Sorry. Available over at ocremix.org. Until next time, when we go wading into the gates of hell, I am your host, Alessandro Crolla. And I'm Jen Hughes. Quest completed, yo! No good.